Hello and welcome to another first contact here in the diplomatic division of Live Long and Podcast. Tonight we are making first contact with a couple of comic book creators who are meeting the first time here to, in person here tonight. Indeed. What an extra <laughs> uh, treat. Chris, indeed. Christopher Sequera and Joe Isma. Hello. Welcome. Hi, everyone. Creators of the very recent uh, Star Trek Halloween, which I have here, which, ooh, my background is messing with. That's oh, cool. that's there psychedelic. It's haunted. It is. Yeah. <laughs> They're real comics, though, not holographic comics or whatever they look like here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, we are your hosts, Devin and Dave, aka Plain Simple Tailors. Thanks for having me. Yeah, nice to nice no to meet problem. you both. Welcome. Yeah. So we're from we're we're truly using uh, the infosphere to our advantage tonight because we're meeting from the future, the present, and the past. Thursday, uh, over in Australia, and then here on the Atlantic coast, and then somewhere even further into the past, uh, out in Texas. Yeah, which is great. Um, so yeah, it's a real pleasure to see you really enjoyed the issues. First of all, so oh, thank, thank you very for, much. Uh, thank, thank you, you for uh, getting them out there. Is this your first so, time working together? Yes. Yes, it is. Right on. Well, I think it was a successful collaboration. Um, so what are your guys's, we will start with Christopher. What what are your guys' origins with Star Trek? Like, do you have to be a Star Trek uh, nerd to like write Star Trek comics? I'd assume <laughs> it's a prerequisite. I don't know. However, I think it helps. What what happened in my case? I, I've been a fan, particularly of the Next Gen, but I, but I I do love the original series as well. Um, but particularly the Next Gen and everything that came after that, and everything that's still going on now. Uh, but with this comic, um. I had actually pitched something else to IDW, and, and I will say it was Star Trek related, and it was given a green light. It was going to go ahead, and um, it, it involved another property from somewhere else, and that was oh. and it was initially and it was initially greenlit, but then it it hit a um, an obstacle, and. Uh, it may be dead for all time or it may not be. But what happened was I was talking to uh, Heather, the, la the lady at um, IDW, and I said, um, could I pitch something else at, at some future point in time? And she very kindly said yes. And at the appropriate time, I think I gave her three other one paragraph or one sentence ideas. And I said, any of these be any good? And she came back to me, and I think it was just like really fast. I think it was like a week later, and she said something like, Paramount said we're doing ID number two. I went, what? <laughs> we are? <laughs> and and, uh, and that was this one. It was the Halloween thing. And uh, it went from there. Nice. So I have more questions about that, but what about your uh, origins in Star Trek, Joe? Um, well, uh, definitely all my life. I'm 45, so it's been in my life for a long time because my, my late father was a huge nerd. And uh, that's kind of how I got into it. So like my very first experience with Star Trek, I have two kind of touchstones with Star Trek. One was my mom took me to see Wrath of Khan when I was like three or four. And the scene with the wow. city. Yeah, I like freaked the hell out in the theater. 
made a scene and she had to take me out of the theater. So that was my first uh, impression of Star Trek. But I still liked it when I would watch it later. But then <laughs> my, my dad was a huge Next Gen fan. And like he would literally, again, I'm dating myself here, he would tape them on video cassette and we would watch them all the time because, you know, we didn't have streaming. <laughs> and uh, so uh, it, was, it was it was next gen. That was like my big thing for a long time because that was something my dad and I could bond over. And yeah, it's just kind of carried through. I've kind of gone in and out a little bit. Like I kind of dropped off at the end of next gen for a little bit. I didn't check out Deep Space Nine until later, which became like my all time favorite for a long Ooh, time. Until two worlds. Because uh, uh, it, it's great. Yeah, Captain Pike is kind of like my hero. I kind of aspire to his hair a little bit. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Me too, I just don't do it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Next Gen was just, it's always been like a huge thing for me anyway. So I was really glad to be able to do this. And so, and not to get too small to here, but like for me, like what was so exciting about this was like to do something that I know my dad would have enjoyed, you know? Mm. So, yeah. Very cool. Well, it's That's it's a classic like holodeck mishap yeah. episode, you know. It's uh, it, it's it's up there with the other ones with Robin Hood and like it's really good. Uh, and I love Universal oh. Monsters too. So like throwing all that together. So, <laughs> uh, Christopher, did you um like pitch the Red Jack and everything, or you just like I want to yes. do a Star Trek yeah, yeah. Halloween story, or you had it you had it all well, kind of thought out? One my other main interests is horror fiction. I've written quite a lot. I've commissioned and edited collections of horror stories, and I am I'm known as as a bit of a being a bit of a fan of the, the old mashup. Um, I did um, a collection a couple of years ago called Taped Fear: Superhuman Horror Stories, and it was horror stories that had to involve a superhero. And we had a Neil Gaiman story. Mark Wade wrote the introduction, so I used all my comic book connections and 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 two of my big loves and and threw those together, and um and love horror fiction, love the Universal monsters, love the classic literary original things that all those things come from, and I'm also a bit of a Jack the Ripper buff as well because I'm because I'm a Sherlock Holmes fan, so I'm absolutely obsessed with all details of Victorian crime fiction and, and real true life Victorian crime, that being the famous one. So I really remembered the uh, Robert Block written Wolf in the Fold Trek episode. Hmm. And I thought, holodeck monsters, it, it's got to be that guy coming back. It's got to be him coming back hmm. somehow. And that's got to be the big bad. And I've got to make that work. Well, I think like with the the original series, like it, it did well for its time, but I think there's a lot you can do with that character that they couldn't do on that show. Like it's an, it's a good character to reach for for a horror story too. I think. Now, were you familiar with this story when you wrote that story? The oh, that, this is that's, yeah, yeah, that's the the data one. Yeah, the data one. Yeah, yeah. Now this is I'd read it, and I once when it came out, I think. And I actually forgot about it when I when I came to do this. How I don't know, and um, or it might have been half forgotten, but also I, th I might have been thinking because it was a DC comic, they won't want it in the continuity of this. So I'll just treat it as if it wasn't there. And then mm -hmm. when we got into the script for issue one 
even well after it was approved and the, the outline was rolling, Paramount came back with a note saying, and Heather as well so, came back with a note, and they said, um, you can reference this if you like, and maybe we should. And I said, oh. whatever you want to do. And I said, we can tweak everything that's in issue one and make it that the events of that one um, count. So that's why we did it in the end. Right. right. I think that's a good idea. It adds to the headcanon. And I yeah, find that yeah. like, mm -hmm. Star Trek comics slide into the headcanon really nice because they're not as intrusive as like the novels where they like change so much about a certain character. You're, like You have to really believe in that story to throw that into your head canon but mm -hmm. comics always and, slide and, in very and nicely and after, and after that happened uh that decision was made heather sent me a, a pdf copy of that old issue and I, I read it again really closely just to make sure that nothing none of the sort of action beats or you know payoff into character interplay beats that we were doing were a complete you know copy of that if there was if there was a scene where two characters met in that i tried to make it play out differently and and all that right right well it, yeah definitely you use different main characters for sure like the, the, this one's more like a data beverly story and you kind of take almost data off the board in your story pretty quickly <laughs> yes rather dramatically yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I do the you know any any time you get to see a sort of Yorick moment that way uh, with Data is is I mean, Chef's kiss, right? Uh, you know, one of the things I really loved about this was you know the is turning to to art for a moment was the way that and I I, I assume this is intentional, but my question is sort of like chicken and egg here. Uh, the way in which the egg. holodeck allows us to sort of recover ourselves in various ways, you take that right into the flesh of the characters with you know the classic surgical alteration or or, or that sort of thing that that happens to uh, them over the course of the story, and even you know to data a little bit. Um, to me, that's like a way of taking Halloween costumes and like going even closer than body paint, you know. Uh, was that so? Did that start with the sense of data being taken off the board, or was getting those characters into that sort of physical presentation of sort of monstrousness like the plan right from go? Yeah, I'll let Chris take that one. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was the plan right from go. But look, one of the things I got, I got to tip my imaginary fedora to Mr. Eismer here, I mean, because you've got to visually depict them in a comic and they've got to look like the monsters whose identities they're adopting, but he's still got to make them look like the actors underneath. And yeah. he killed it. He absolutely killed it. Oh, yeah. I mean, the um, the splash page of issue four, where we, we, it was our first chance to do a close-up of all four of the, the the guys in the monster um, guises um, in close up on a full splash, you know they look great, but they all even more you know under layers of green gills and scales, they look <laughs> exactly like the characters you know I love. That page, that page. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And just That's killed it. Wonderful. And and uh, yeah. yeah, Joe was just amazing. It was just like 
I was having fits when the pages were coming back in. They were just so cool. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, you, know, you know, what's funny, what I'll say is um, when I started this, uh, Heather Antos, we really have to give praise to Heather Antos for kind of spearheading this whole thing. You know, she she and I worked together on a, a book previously, so she kind of was familiar with me and she knew kind of what I could do. So she gave me some real general descriptions of what was going to happen because I guess Chris's script wasn't totally ready yet. Mm-hmm. And so I did these sketches of combining the characters. And I hope like when they do the trade, they put these sketches in there with it. Cause like they, some of the characters that were, I did were like totally different. Like I think Riker I did is Dracula and Beta uh, mm. was still Frankenstein. And um, I can't remember what the other ones were, but it was really fun. It was just totally different. But the thing that, and I, and I mentioned this when I was in New York comic-con on the panel was like, you know, yes, they're loosely based on the universal monsters. We can't really say that because universal is pretty litigious yeah. over so like, uh, they're kind of based on these monsters that you were probably familiar with, <laughs> but yeah, kind of tiptoe a little bit on that. Well, and you made yeah. the monster from the Black Lagoon like a Klingon thing. You're like, right? this is yeah. actually just like a well, Klingon yeah, creature. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that was one. That was one we had to be really careful with. And what I did in the, in the original script and proposal was I said there'd be a um, water breathing character evocative perhaps of hp lovecraft's yeah shadows over innsmouth right. and, the, and the, de- the deep ones that were the characters mm-hmm. there that were that that were the gill people but wolf was there and i thought hey, this is even better i'll make up a klingon aquatic creature myth that parallels halloween and it's sort of better because it brought in a bit of you know the classic star trek alien culture it can't be just yeah. Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Mm-hmm. There's all these other races on the ship. And so we just had a bit of dialogue where Wolf mentions this early on in issue one and it sets up, okay, that's an obvious parallel as far as he's concerned in his culture. So that's what will make him turn into. So mm-hmm. it sort of worked. And, you know, and and we got to pay tribute to, yeah, Creature from the Black Lagoon, obviously, but yeah. um, without you know it being necessarily that. Yeah, it was really clever, really clever the way you, you did that. You made it its own thing, but it's still kind of a touchstone for us that we kind of recognize what that is. But yeah, it's yeah. 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 We, we tried we a, a few careful steps here and there. And that's why that's why I gave him like a, a three-pronged thing. I called a trileth that Joe designed. Oh, I love that. Because yeah. basically I thought, is he like a snorting, monstrous, not thinking kind of aquatic creature? And I thought, no, we want to get away from creature from the Black Lagoon. Let's make it that they're thinking monsters. And mm-hmm. Klingons are all about battle on everything. And I thought a trident sort of shaped batleth would evoke Atlantis and Namor and Aquaman and all that kind of jazz. So I sort of, mm-hmm. that, that's where I got that. I was just putting those bits together but making him that bit less creature from the Black Lagoon, like just just that little uh, notch. Mm-hmm. Actually, staying on Wharf for the moment, I have to say one of the things that uh, I found really delightful about these issues was Wharf's clear irritation, both in the text, he's just yelling in Klingon and in the visuals about being in any kind of costume at all. Oh yeah, like he's just. I, every I was looking at his face through these issues, thinking like, I am not a merry man, you know. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. Uh, well, of course, the irritation works for him in this context. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't completely you can change his appearance, but you can't change who he is really. I mean, he has to have morphisms, you know. <laughs> oh, we love morphisms. Has to try and pop the balloon somehow, right? <laughs> yeah. No, Look, Joe. That's, like, that's, we, another, that's another Joe Strait. You know, the acting, the 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 characters acting. Yeah, that's mm. crucial to make the thing pay off as well. It's true. Like you have to, like yeah. I mean, you have for the writing and art, you have to sort of do Picard, but it's Picard doing somebody right. else, and like that's a whole other layer. That's very interesting. Now, yeah. Joe, when you first heard you were going to do this story, that you're like, as from as an artist perspective, is just like yes, a hollow deck, yeah, um, <laughs> story because there's so much you can do there. Oh yeah, a typical Star Trek story where it's just people standing on the bridge or yeah. Oh my god, it's so exciting! And I mean, <laughs> we do have our scenes of them standing on the bridge. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but, Look, but we love like, bridges, like right, right. <laughs> but yeah. I love the holiday. I love holiday stories anyway because yeah, like the the imagination just runs wild, and you can do kind of anything. And I loved, you know, having the scenes in Victorian England or whatever, uh, or our version of it, or whatever. Because I mean, I love that era too. I love From Hell by Ellen Moore. That's one of my favorites, and uh i just i love that era so i was like oh man i get to draw star trek plus this this is so exciting so yeah everything about this when i got to read like the script and everything i was like oh this is this like really scratches a lot of itches you know <laughs> but yeah. uh our review team over when we reviewed the the issues uh really loved your deanna design as the mummy and oh the thank you. like i could put a poster of that on my wall <laughs> Well, I wanted to do something different than just have her just wrapped, you know, I wanted to give her the headdress and I, I looked at a couple of different headdress references and everything and um, I, I decided to go with the one that I went with just to kind of give her some contrast because she's got this like billowy hair, you know, and mm -hmm. give her some kind of verticality a little bit. Um, so just to contrast with that. So yeah, I'm glad you liked it. Thank you. Yeah, really good. I can just imagine Marge Simpson's hair underneath <laughs> that too, if I want. You know, so. <laughs> nice to leave a little something to the imagination. Um, spoiler alerts, by the way. If everyone go read these issues, buy them and then read them. Yes. Um, but I thought tying together Red Jack and this particular uh, Star Trek villain here. Oh man, a genius idea! Uh, my God, why did you don't like Armistice? Luckily, your okay. background is not giving any spoilers at all. No, no, it's not. So <laughs> the internet but, saves us again. Yeah, but I thought that was genius because they're both uh, Star Trek characters that feed off of fear. And yeah, yeah. well, when I very Halloween. When I, that, when I had that flash of memory, it was like, oh, gotta find a way to do this somehow. And we debated no spoilers for people who haven't read it because you know how and what Armas is in our story is its own mm -hmm. thing. Um, but we debated. All different ways of doing that, including also just let me say the obvious way of doing it, and we mm -hmm. went with the way that we did it instead. Um, and I think that was the right call given the amount of space that we had to tell that story. And he came in last quarter, really, rather than earlier on. If it was different structure to the story and he was in there earlier, we might have gone a different route with him. Mm -hmm. that's all i'll say on that one but but we did mm -hmm. think the options through 
Yeah. Well, it's interesting with holodeck because you can just throw so much in there. You almost have to like have restraint to be like, no, okay, I can't get carried away with this holodeck story. (laughs) Right. We can't have Q showing up as uh, the sheriff of Nottingham in this story. Well, speaking of sequels, one thing that this image here made us really want to hear over on the review uh, was that bottom right image of Picard, Beverly, uh-huh. Phantom of the Opera. If you guys could collaborate now again on that story for next <laughs> Halloween. Look, if they, if they ask me to do, if they ask me to do anything more, I'm there in a heartbeat. If they'll have me, um, whether it's a sequel to this or or anything else, um, yeah, it's, I'm like Joe. It's a franchise I, I love a lot. I, I at San Diego Comic Con, I was on a panel um, for IDW, and what came to my lips was, uh, it's the greatest ensemble cast in science fiction. It's, yeah. And it's an ensemble concept, whatever season you're talking about. And um, so, yeah, if a, if a chance comes my way to do anything again, we'd love to do it. Would I love to do more macabre tinged takes? And yeah, absolutely. You know, whether it's trying to figure out what to do with that salt vampire from yeah, the original series or whatever, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to try and knit some uh, ideas together. But, um, it, when, when Trek does horror, which it did occasionally, like with Red Jack and Wolf in the Fold, like with that, cons- that conspiracy episode of Next Gen. To oh, which, yeah. To which there's mm-hmm. never been a sequel <laughs> or, or, a full ex- or a full explanation of those disgusting aliens. Okay, just put that out there. Yeah. That um, mm-hmm. that's when, when, been dangling for a long time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and even Kirk's yeah. brother got killed by these weird sort of vampire-like, bat-like aliens on, yeah. in, in the original series. When they do horror, it works really well because you've got these, you know, these people of reason and science grappling with, you know, just outright fear, whether it be scientific in nature or a bit more weird and ethereal. So you always yeah. get really interesting stuff happening. Even like so body that, horror with like the Borg and that sort of thing. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so that moves me to 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 one of the other things I wanted to pick up on. I know we're getting we're beginning to get short on time here, but just quickly, um, Deanna Troy. In terms of this being like a, a an ensemble cast, Deanna Troy plays a really key role in that. Was it important for you in this to make sure that she did that? Like, are you, uh, do you have a peculiar interest in Deanna as a character, or is that more narrative, just function? Like, it just re- it really works well to have her sort of play that key function here. I, I just thought she, with with her empathic nature, it had to be her as the point of view mm-hmm. protagonist. Sure. So many more levels of the fear element because she's feeling everyone else's yeah. fear. Well, I think that's a good choice anyway because I always say with characters like Beverly and Deanna, they didn't get a lot of work to work with in the series. So anything you mm-hmm. can kind of add to their character arc is always welcome. I find like oh, they some people like have nitpicked uh, the way they went with her in Picard season three, but I'm like, no, it's great. It's more they have ever given her to work with. I don't care if it's a little like crazy, but go with it. It's more Beverly. And yeah, yeah. so I thought that was pretty great. 
is uh, Joe. Uh, it, so, as a TNG fan, is it easier or harder to draw these characters that you know so well and you've looked at so much, like as oh. as real people? Yeah, yeah, it's really stressful. Um, uh, yeah. Just because, like, you know, I I, I want to honor them too. You know, I want to make sure that they look right. Because as a fan, I want to be able to open the book and say, okay, that's Deanna and that's Data, and I don't want to be like, this guy doesn't know who he's drawing, whatever. <laughs> so. Like I had so many tabs open on my computer and I had episodes like on my iPad playing like um, and I had pause all the time just so I would make sure that I'd have like their faces up while I was drawing. Because, um, yeah, it's really it like getting the likeness was right. Uh, what was really important to me. And, you know, it's very important to IDW and to Paramount, too, because, I mean, there was a few times I'd have to like go back and you know, like we'll try a little bit more refinement on this likeness if you can get it and you know it's totally fair but um yeah i mean as a fan yeah you want to get it right and but also as a professional you don't want to let anybody down you know i don't want to let readers down so that was definitely the most challenging part of this entire project was making sure that the likenesses were uh as close to spot on as possible but also it felt nice and kind of reassuring because of the fact that I grew up watching these characters, you know? So I was like, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like just kind of in a way transformed me back to my childhood when I'm just watching them on TV and now I get to portray them. I get to kind of direct them myself, you know, on the page. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Your work on the spooky edition of Star Trek was a delightful read there, gentlemen, from the world mind. Thank you. Thank you, Wilma. Well, and do we have anything further for these guys here, Dave? Or should we let them get back to their wonderful creative ventures? <laughs> well, you know what? There's one thing I do want to say. You guys together nailed Reg Barkley. Like, like oh yeah, you're saying about having to nail yeah, what a great point. Just this random guy and a lieutenant could be anybody running in there, but it's so clearly Reg, and oh, everything he you. says is so clearly Reg. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's yeah. some funny stuff. Oh, Reg, Reg, both his physical Reg, mannerisms Reg was, and his dialogue were there. Reg was, yeah. Reg was in my original outline, but not with a major part. And one of the notes that came back on just the outline was, oh, great, Reg, can we do more with him? And I went, okay. And I <laughs> gave him more things to do that affected different points in the plot. So and that was that was purely response to notes and it was a really good call and a really good suggestion. Yeah, I was surprised to see how much he was in the script too. I was like, oh, like I never would have thought to even imagine that he would play such you know a role in this, and because he's always been kind of like more of a background type player in in so many things. And yeah, so it was it was really nice that Chris put him in the the role. Look, that he as I say, got got to thank Heather and the Paramount crew. Yeah. And it was like, and again, when it was one of those ones where, uh, duh. Right, the most fearful character in the series mm-hmm. should have something to do with it. Yeah, you know, that's crucial in motivation in a story that's all about fear. Why not? Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And Joe, I thought you did a great job capturing the way he sort of he kind of almost collapses in on himself when he's like, doing <laughs> oh, no, I have to interact with someone. <laughs> I had to hunt down all the Reg episodes and watch them. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. 
Those are fun. Oh, ones, now anyway. that's when Star Trek does awkward at its best. You know, <laughs> that moment when they first go into the holodeck and find themselves. Oh, <laughs> just brutal. Nice. Well, and I also I thought that... how you tied the MacGuffin. Like, there's always the MacGuffin that saves the day in the end in Star Trek, whether it's science based or whatever. I love how you guys made it kind of lore and character based, which I thought was a, mm-hmm. a, a, a nice element because it's easy kind of to just throw a. Jordy comes up with the idea and saves the day kind of ending. And it was it was deeper than that. And I really appreciated that. Cool. Thank yeah, you. That was really satisfying. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that kind of, I mean, I hope that that kind of conveys to y'all and to our readers that, you know, this is a, a project that was made by fans. You know, it's not just a yeah. job. Like we're both fans of this property and we're both like have like a, a sense of you know fondness and, and care for it. So um if we can, if we can get elicit that kind of reaction, then I feel like we've succeeded. So. Well, I think you've succeeded for oh, yeah, sure. I certainly think so. And that's uh, yeah. something you can break out and read every Halloween. Yay! Indeed. <laughs> and you know, watch the Red Jack episode of TOS. Read this comic and then read Halloween and make it like a trilogy. It's yeah. like the ongoing <laughs> story of Red Jack. <laughs> Settle in with your popcorn, wash your hands, then read the comic books. <laughs> Settle in with a little Jack the Ripper. <laughs> Woot. Um, That's right. Well, thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, Indeed. I, I can't wait to learn more about you guys over on Graphic Histories uh, sometime here in the near future. Uh, Thank you. Wes, it's lovely to meet with... you. Lovely yeah, to bring you together for the first time. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Joe, Joe, I got to try and get over to the states and get to a con where you are one day, mate. Yeah, well, I got to get, I got to get to Australia. I'm like, I would love to go there. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. look, you know, next time, next time I'm talking to local convention organisers down there, I'll go, hey, what, you know, why don't you pay to bring Joe Eisberg out here? <laughs> All right, yeah, that works. We'll get get both of you guys up here to Nova Scotia, or you know, That's maybe right. somewhere's close but bigger. Yeah, trek related solidarity. That's it. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Exactly. Well, on that note, I think we just have one more thing to say. End transmission. Oh, I could live long and prosper. Yeah. Peace.